Hi, everyone. It's Riddell here with Behold the Connection. And this is my 10th episode. Pretty good for a podcast that just launched out of thin air in response to the COVID pandemic. It was always, always my intent to launch a podcast. And in fact, it was my intent to launch one in March, but it got pushed back to the fall as I was launching my parenting course. And I just thought, okay, I won't run ragged. I'm not doing it all. And then I figured out Number one, that the world needed some help right now, and I was happy to help. And number two, I don't have to do hour-long podcasts. I can, And they don't have to be perfectly professional. I can get my words out there to help without overthinking it, without having to edit it. I don't edit these. Whatever I say is what I'm going to say here. Okay, let's do some business. First of all, my parenting course is at beholdtheconnection.com slash podia. Go to Instagram. I always say this. Just go to Behold the Connection on Instagram. Click my links and profile. I've got a bunch of freebies. I have my parenting course. And if you want to buy my parenting course and you want 25% off of the full price, you can just type in the word podcast. Uh, Right before you actually pay with your credit card or your payments, your installments, um, is where you enter the coupon code. So the other thing that's super helpful is if you take a screenshot right now, and upload it to your social media so other people can find me. Because I do know that even though these podcasts are short, I do know they're helping people through this really strange time. And the more people that I can help, the better. Okay, so I actually said in my last podcast that I was going to talk about suffering and our resistance to suffering, but that turns out that was a lie. Turns out what I'm going to talk about is something that I struggled with this week, which was schooling at home. So bear with me here as I totally change course of the impromptu podcast. Okay, so like I said in my last podcast, and if you're new here, please take time to go back and listen right from the beginning. I promise that it'll help you through this pandemic and just life in general. Okay, so like I said in my last podcast, when things feel out of control, our brains want to answer for it. So it answers for it by looking for a villain. Um, And so at first for me, there was no villain in all of this. Uh, The truth is I've actually always wanted my kids home every April because finally the weather's nice and I think of all the fun things we can do. In fact, last April, I bought some goats in my minivan, I, ac- I accidentally bought multiple goats because I was on Kijiji. I thought I was talking to the same seller. I was talking to a couple different sellers, ended up with a lot of goats. But my point in that is I, the warm weather comes and I think, oh, I wish my kids were here. We could be out in the yard. It'd be so nice. So the point is when the kids got sent home, the timing wasn't great for me um, in my grad school, but I also was like, I've always dreamt of this moment. I was happy. And then it got tough. The teachers were told to figure out how to teach remotely, you know, pivot (laughs) and still do a good job. And the parents were told to keep themselves and everyone together in their household and still do their job if they were employed, if they could, right, safely, and to facilitate what was being assigned by the teachers. And let's be honest, I don't know if you've sat next to a seven-year-old, but by facilitate, I mean teach. If there is no teacher in the room and they have times table in front of them. It is you teaching it to them. And so it's easy to want to villainize the teachers. After all, they're the ones sending out all those emails. There's so many emails, right? 
and the assignments. My older child has emails and assignments that I honestly feel like are pretty unrealistic (laughs) given the situation we are in. Or maybe it's just the situation I'm in. I mean, I have four kids. But the truth is, most teachers, almost all, are trying their best. They absolutely are. I saw that on a video call um, that I asked for my second oldest son. I saw his teacher having her little kids on her lap while she was trying to help him with what, what I was unable to help him with. And I just realized in that moment, I cannot villainize the teachers, you know, brain, find a new villain. And so what happens is sometimes what we can find is the person that's left to villainize is our child. Why don't they like learning more? Gosh, have they always been this way? (laughs) What a bad attitude. Where's their grit? Focus, child, focus. And if we're not careful, our minds begin to go to the land of the shoulds. I talk about this a lot in my parenting course. The land of the shoulds is awful and nothing good is ever accomplished there. It's not. The land of the shoulds is the place where all of our subconscious programming lives. So this is from the messaging that we've internalized when we were kids and other messaging that we've internalized along the way. And the land of the shoulds causes us so much pain because unless we are really consciously thinking and questioning our thoughts, our brain believes everything that lives in the land of should as though it's truth. And the fact is so much of that subconscious programming is from trauma or thoughts that don't serve us. So we all have a land of the shoulds. We all do. And when our resources are low, so what I mean by that is we're struggling to cope because probably just a whole bunch of new things going on for us. Our mind does a freaking fairy dance to that land. Like off we go to the land of shoulds. Because when resources are low, what your brain does is it looks for past relevant experiences to pull from. And a lot of assumptions are made. I mean, it's likely you've never lived through a pandemic before, but your brain will go go into its subconscious and find the, the closest thing it can, and it'll bring up all these shoulds for you to live by, okay? And so remember, your brain is designed to keep you safe. It's not designed to keep you happy. Its default is to keep you safe always. And so unless you are participating in conscious thoughts, thoughts that you are choosing, being mindful of your thoughts, managing your mind, what your brain is doing is making sure that you aren't asleep on the job. It's keeping you safe. So you'll think your brain will offer you thoughts like, hey, I don't know if you noticed, but your daughter can't read and she probably should be able to. Don't you know that after grade three, that gap widens? Or hey, alert, the bad attitude of your son is such a clear indicator that he's super lazy. He's going to end up in a van by the river, stoned his whole life. He's going to have no employment, no family, no purpose. Your brain will offer you these worst case scenarios based on your subconscious and your subconscious programming to keep you alert. It's, it just wants you to know what could be coming. And it's so dramatic. Our brains are so dramatic which they should be. They're trying to, trying to keep us alive. And so, I hope you are still with me here, you have to push back against all of that. Now, is it hard to push back when your resources are low? Yes. Yes. But this is real self-care. 
This is real self-care. You need to do a thought download. What are you thinking? Get it all out on paper. Go through and circle the thoughts that, that you believe that are true to you. Question half of those thoughts. Cross them off. Write not true with a big black sharpie over it. What shoulds are in those thoughts? What shoulds in those thoughts can you abandon? How are those shoulds not true? So your brain is looking for a villain because it wants to know who the danger could be coming from. And if you don't reroute and regulate it, it'll stop on your child. So here's some shoulds that I've had to call into question. And maybe some of these will land for you. You'll be like, oh, I've thought that too. Some shoulds that have come through my mind are teachers should explain things better to us parents. Principals should communicate more often. Textbooks shouldn't be 30 years old with horrible graphics. Learning materials should be more fun. Schooling shouldn't be online this much. My child should know now by now to eat breakfast before school starts. I should be able to homeschool four children at once. Children should know the value of learning for their future. They should want to do this. This child should know math better by now. I shouldn't have to do this. And so we get overwhelmed because we are thinking overwhelming thoughts. Overwhelm comes from getting ahead of yourself and piling every future demand into one moment instead of simply staying in the one moment that you're in. What if we rerouted our brain to other options? What if we question all our shoulds? Should teachers explain things better to us parents? How could that not be true? Why shouldn't textbooks be old and boring? Is there advantages to learning how to read old and boring material? I certainly have to in my grad school. (laughs) What are the rules for textbooks that are written? Is there even rules? Isn't it a possibility that those textbooks develop reading comprehension and persistence, right? Is there some skills in digging into dry material? You can really question everything. Maybe schooling should be online this much. I mean, certainly the the future is online, isn't it? Maybe my kids are learning skills in this time that will serve them when they're adults. After all, the programs that are teaching them spelling and reading are pretty dang smart and intuitive. And maybe they're saving me a lot of time as a mom schooling four kids at home. Maybe I can lean into the online programs, at least for a while here. A big piece to this puzzle is that we think our options are guilt or overwhelm. We either are doing it all and feeling overwhelmed and then resentful, or we're feeling guilty because we're dropping the ball or guilty that the teacher might see that we're not doing it all. And I'm always preaching about the land in between. My whole parenting course is that we can be the leader in our families and be empathetic and connected. We can have limits, but we don't need to punish. Punishment doesn't teach anything. Teaching teaches. I really encourage you to check out my parenting course. So why do we buy into the idea of extremes? Because our brain loves it. We believe that we either need to be guilt-ridden or overwhelmed. And, or we need, we believe that we as parents need to, well, we can't be the leader and empathetic. Well, of course you can. In fact, that's exactly what you should, should be, right? This is where creativity is our friend. After we've questioned our thoughts, in what ways can we meet our needs as parents and also do our best for our child? Get creative. What could that look like? Could that be a grandparent FaceTime reading with your child? There's an app, I think it's called the Caribou app. 
And my daughter does that with her Nana and they read a book together on that app. They can both see it. Can you reach out to a teacher and ask for a weekly one-on-one to help? Can your partner do 15 minutes of teaching at the end of the day if they're working, maybe when they come home in a subject that you struggle to teach? Could you look at the assignments each week and just pick half and know that that is an excellent effort? Like there's really no school police coming and saying, you aren't doing enough. Your child isn't doing enough. Right? And if you're getting pushback, just ask for a daily call and say, teach my child. I can't do it. (laughs) You can only do what you can do is my point. Everyone needs to lower the pressure around it all. And you're the cruise ship captain in your family. It's you who sets the speed for that boat. Okay, so the art of mothering is the art of teaching children how to live and feel. That's the art of mothering. And so above all else, my friends, please take this time to show them what saying no guilt-free looks like. Show them what boundaries looks like. Show them what balance looks like. And that is saying no to things. Show them what incorporating movement into your day looks like. Show them mental health, proper coping techniques. Show them what imperfection and grace looks like. Use your words to express your feelings so that they learn those words to then express theirs. You are showing them how to live and a huge part of living is not, I should say of healthy living, is not subscribing to shoulds, but questioning them and finding thoughts that serve the mental space that you are seeking. Not the mental space you're stuck in, thoughts that get you to the mental space that you are seeking. This is a time of big shifts and change for our kids. Absolutely. And on that note, I want to offer you a thought that has served me. Well, it's a series of thoughts that has served me really well. What this time, with our kids being home, in the pandemic, such change, what this time has offered my kids, and of course, everyone's situation is different, so I'm just going to speak to mine but apply it to yours and really think about the gifts that this time has given your kids. So for me, this time has offered my kids the opportunity at a young age to build resilience under my wing. That's pretty cool. The opportunity to think of others, the vulnerable population above themselves, the opportunity to be bored and find new hobbies, the opportunity for stronger sibling relationships including lots of practice with conflict resolution. That's how they learn. This time has offered my kids the real life opportunity to experiment with the well-researched, I'm telling you this is well-researched, positive effects of positive thinking and gratitude. They've been able to live that, not just read about it in a study. This has given my kids at their young ages a tangible experience with what change can look like and feel like and how to pivot when the winds of uncertainty blow, which happens in everyone's life, our whole lives, which has then in them built in them increased flexibility, which has resulted in more grit. It's given my children the chance to learn to pitch in more as their dad is a frontline worker. He's working more. It's given my kids the ability to learn better computer skills. They've become more independent in their learning. That's amazing, actually. It's given my kids more connection time with me, so much more. It's given my kids the ability to come together with a group, in this case, that group being the world, to experience collective thinking and effort. 
It's given my kids the ability to think outside the box, to experience new things like birthdays in a new way. Our children in a short amount of time have been given such life experience that they will carry forever. When your mind wants to go to, my child has a horrible attitude about schoolwork and I hate this. I encourage you after feeling the feeling in your body and allowing it and moving your body to regulate and process it to then work on rerouting to thoughts that serve you. Like humans have bad days and growing the brain can feel so tough. My child is normal or my child is learning more through this experience than I can ever express. What great emotional social growth, right? Thank you for listening. What do I want to tell you? Go follow my Instagram, my story all the time, Behold the Connection. On Facebook, we uh, have a lovely parenting group called Being a Happy and Connected Parent. And um, please do check out my parenting course, even just if you're curious about it. And screenshot this and share it to your Facebook status or Instagram stories. Actually, if you scroll down right now and leave me a review, that'd be awesome. So the next one is going to be about suffering. And the one after that's going to be, I actually don't want to tell you, it's a fascinating podcast on our brains and how it looks for, I'm not going to tell you, you got to tune in two episodes from now. Thanks for listening. Have a lovely day. 